again, we're going to, we're, I'm building a foundational series that we've talked about the authority of the word. We've talked about the lordship of Jesus Christ. We've talked about righteousness and repentance. We've talked, the, uh, the last session we had was we talked about the spirit, soul, and body. And I would say, are you going to, can anybody uh, tell me what we're going to talk to do about tonight? But she may have already put it up there. We're going to talk a little bit about water baptism and laying on of hands. What we're doing is we're laying down a foundation. You're going to see where this is leading to on June the 1st, but we're laying down a foundation of where what we, what we need to do, how we need to operate, and some things in our lives that we need to continue to operate. So if you will, Romans chapter 6, and uh, we're, going to, we're going to get in there, so you just put a marker in there. And I want us to look at verse 4 as we talk about the water baptism and the laying on of hands. Romans chapter, Romans chapter 6, verse 4. It says, Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in a newness of life. So we can see the scripture here that Christ was raised from the dead for the glory of the Father, that we might too walk in the newness of life. So we were with Christ through baptism. Now, if you, if you can, according to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 2, he talks about the doctrine of baptisms. This is a plural. That means there's more than one because a lot of times I've just said, well, you know, it's one faith, one baptism, you know, and, and it's, there's just one. But I want us to look at some scriptures here today that, this, that the Bible does tell us in Hebrews 6, 2, that of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. So I want to talk about two of those of those things in that scripture in Hebrews 6 2 the baptisms and the laying on of hands tonight there's three types of baptisms say three types there's three types of baptisms that I want us to look at here tonight number one is the baptism is to be baptized by the spirit into the body of Christ to be baptized into the spirit by the spirit into the body of Christ when you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior you are baptized into the body of Christ the second one is to be baptized into water and it means to show a spiritual circumcision from the flesh to to a controlled spirit-filled life in other words, when we're baptized by water, it, it is showing basically that, you know what, I'm gonna, the old is going to pass away and the new is going to come, and I'm going to operate in this new spirit-filled life that I'm going to have, a spirit-controlled life that I'm going to have. You need to be led by the Spirit. We need to be led by the Spirit in all that we do. So this is one of the things that I want us to look at, too, as we, as we look at this. Number three, baptized in the Holy Spirit, according to Acts 1.8, in order to be able to obtain power in our Christian walk. When we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, we, we obtain power in our Christian walk. The best way I could tell you about this is before when I had gotten saved, and I didn't know about this speaking in tongues stuff. I just didn't know about it. I didn't know about praying in the Spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost. I just didn't know about it. I, I wasn't for it. I wasn't against it. Hear me? I just didn't know about it. You know, it was uh, where I was at. They didn't teach it. I don't know if they just, you know, was selective parts of the Bible that they taught. But, you know, when I began to look at it and I realized that there was something that when I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we call it the baptism of the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, there was a power. The best way, guys, I can explain it to you is that instead of being plugged into a 110, I got plugged into a 220. Come on, somebody. You know, 
ladies, I guess instead of having a hand mixer, you got a power one now. I, whatever, I don't know. You know, uh, you, you got you got an electric one that you got you got plugged into. But those are the three types of baptism: baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ. You can find that in First Corinthians twelve thirteen. Baptized into water, Matthew 28, looking look at verses 19 and I think the first part of verse 20. And baptized in the Holy Spirit in order to obtain power in the Christian walk. See, in Acts 1.8, it says, when the power came upon them, they, it, became, it came upon them and they began to walk in power. You know, you look at that scripture and you look and you see Peter, who he was before the day of Pentecost and in Acts chapter 1. You look and see and there's a different guy coming out of that upper room. Come on, somebody. He was filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, and he was no longer a wimp. Amen? I wouldn't want to call Peter a wimp to start with, but it might cut my ear off. But let's take a look at water baptism as an act of obedience. Water baptism is not just in the New Testament. It's not just a New Testament ritual. ritual. It was proven before. There was water baptism before. And, and it's not just a ministry of John the Baptist. Well, you know, John the Baptist, that's, that was just his ministry to walk around baptizing people. That's why we got this denomination called the Baptists, and that's what they do. They just baptize people from John the Baptist. I want you to understand that water baptism, or if you look at the Scriptures real close, it also talks about cleansing of water. It's the same thing when you look at it in the Greek. It's something God not only required in the, in the Old Testament, but also with the New Testament believers. And Jesus himself, Jesus was baptized. And I know many of you in here today have, have been baptized. I want to ask you, if you've not been water baptized, you need to consider it. If it's something that you've not been through, and I, I want you to show you, I'm going to show you in the Scriptures that it's, it's a command of Jesus Christ, to be, I mean, of God, to be able to be water baptized. And Jesus himself was baptized in water. We begin to see that in Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. At the time, at the time uh, that I was baptized, I realized that the water baptized, I realized that, that, that it was, not only was it was outward expression of an inward experience, something that had changed on the inside of me, I was doing this in obedience to God, but there were some things I believe that I began to walk in in, the, in, in a greater power and a greater understanding after that water b- baptism had taken place. Let's look at Matthew chapter 28. I want to look at verses 19 and 20. I'm going to put it up for you because we're going to go pretty fast tonight. So just take some notes or get the CD afterwards. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He said, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you. And lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. So we see that this is a commandment from Jesus. He's saying, go and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So it wasn't a suggestion. Well, you know, disciples, you know, it would really be a good idea if y'all, you know, it'd be a good idea. It would really be a good idea. I'm going to go be with the Father, and I kind of think if you guys could once in a while, it would be all right to baptize people. No, that's not what Jesus said. He said, here's what I want you to do, and this is a commandment. It's not a suggestion. Is I want you, you know, you're going to go and baptize people in the name of Jesus, amen, or in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, on the day of Pentecost, Peter said this in Acts chapter 2. Let me read it to you. He said, Repent, and each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and that you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
So something happened. I, I, your scripture there that they've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit before they got water baptized, and there's some that received the baptism of the Holy Spirit after they got water baptized. So you can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit before you get baptized, or you can receive it, receive it after you get baptized. So don't want you to get into this religious mold to say, no, I got to do this, or I got to do that, or I got to do this in order to be able to do this. So we begin to see that water baptism was in existence in Jesus' life here on the earth. I mean, during it, he had the believers. He commanded them to do this. This is what they need to do. It's an ordinance, I think, by God that shouldn't be treated lightly. So let's take a look real quick at the, at the meaning of water baptism. According to Ephesians 2, 5, it says this, Man of his sinful nature is dead in sin. He says, If he repents of his sin and accepts Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord, then he is quickened. Say quickened. Say it again, quickened. He is quickened or he's given new life just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. So so we see some things begin to happen. In order for us to live that new life, that new abundant life, we must first bury our old self. That's something that I want you to realize and understand. It's a burial of your old self, and we do that in the waters of baptism. We bury our old self. In Romans 6, Romans 6, chapter 4, let's look at that. I had got you turned there. It says, Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so, too, or so we too might walk in that newness of life. I mean, water baptism can also be understood as this other thing. Can you, can you advance the slide there, please? It, um, it, 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 it's an act of obedience that we realize and understand. It also can be used as a cutting away. But the also thing that I want us to realize, too, is that with this, it's an understanding that we cut away our flesh, our carnal nature, all right? You're not going to go in there and take a big knife and just cut something out. But if you'll let God do what we call the circumcision of the heart, okay? In the Jewish tradition, I always, always, you know, this circumcision stuff, you know, cutting away the foreskin. It's, guys, we understand some stuff, and the ladies are kind of like, I don't know, that's kind of weird stuff, you know. But you understand that from having children that, you know, you have them, you know, you have them circumcised. But it's not a physical circumcision that God is talking about. It's a spiritual circumcision. It's a circumcision of the heart. Now, the Jewish people wanted that wanted the Gentiles at that time it, to come underneath the Jewish law and say, hey, in order for you to be saved, you've got to be circumcised just like the Jewish believers are circumcised. But that's, they, they had a meeting. They decided that in Jerusalem that, you know, you don't have to be. You don't have to do that. He wasn't talking about a physical cir- circumcision, but it was a spiritual circumcision. So we need, to be understand, we need to understand that this baptism part is part of a cutting away. It's a cutting away of the old flesh or our fleshy self. It's freeing us to love God more. I want to be free to love God more. How about you? I want to be free to love God more. I mean, and and if it means for me to be water baptized, to be able to be free or freer to love God, then, you know, I think it's really important. Colossians 2, 11 and 12 says this, And in him you were also circumcised and, and a circumcision made without hands. Here he goes. In the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. It's not a physical circumcision. It's a spiritual one. Having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised up with him through the faith of the working of God who raised him from the death from the dead 
Now, so we understand that and we realize that. So we look at the meaning of water baptism. What's it going to do? It's going to do a couple things. It's going to cut away the sinful nature. It's going to bury your old self. You know, and when you come up out of the water, it's a representation of new life. Somebody say new life. Okay, now you're at Romans chapter 6. Let's start off at verse 1. I want us to read Romans 6, 1 through 13. So I'm just going to read and you follow along with me, whatever version that you have there. What shall we say then? Are we to continue to sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism unto death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so we would be no longer slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed us from sin. Praise God. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is a mastery over him. The death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. So even, verse 11, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. But he says, present yourselves to God as those alive from dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. And I, and I began to look at these scriptures, and I began to, to meditate on them. And there's three things that within these scriptures that you need to know. There's three things that I want us to begin to look at in these scriptures. First of all, next slide, please. Um, first of all, I want us to, to look at, ver, in, in verse 6, verse 6, it says, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him. We need to understand two, three things, that we need to know, we need to consider, and we need to yield. Knowing that your old man has been crucified with Christ and you're buried with him in baptism. My old man has been crucified with Christ and I'm buried with him in baptism. The, the second thing we need to know, and I think the King James Version says reckon, but it's, it's in verse 11. And verse 11 says, even so, consider yourselves to be dead. I think the King James Version says, reckon. And the fact is that we've been buried. We've buried our flesh. It's gone. Our, our flesh is dead. And it's supposed to never rule again. I don't know about you, but I'm still working on that part. I'm still working on my flesh trying to rule all the time. So we need to begin to, we need to be con consider, I, I use the word consider, consider ourselves the fact that it's been, that, that's been buried and it's never to rule again. In other words, I'm wanting to tell you this. You do not have to sin. You don't have to sin. What? I don't have to? No, no, you don't have to for what Jesus did, and we were buried with him. The third thing is to yield. Or I was looking at the scripture here in verse 13. It says, but present yourselves to God. 
In other words, we present ourselves to God, our spirit, our soul, our mind, our body. We present all of ourselves to God. When we present that, again, we come under the lordship of Jesus Christ in every area. So we begin to look at this and we begin to understand a little bit more about water baptism. All right. So I want to encourage you. We've got a sign up sheet that's being sent around. I want to make sure that it gets back to the youth. If you could do that. Make sure that we get that back. Okay, as long let's just make sure we're getting that done. I just want to make sure they may need to teach on it a little bit. But if you have not been water baptized, let's get this thing done. We're going to schedule a water baptism for May 30th on a Wednesday night. We've had some wonderful times, man, worship and, and water baptism. And, I mean, it's just been really a great time in the Lord. And, and, and if you have been water baptized, come anyway. Don't just say, well, you're not having a water baptism now. I'm just going to stay home. No, because we've been watching God move through these water baptisms. It's just been really, it's been tremendous. It's just been some great moves of God. So I want to encourage you, if you're not here, I mean, if, you're, if you've not been water baptized, get that done. Let's, let's, let's follow that command, that ordinance. So let's take a look at laying on of hands. You guys ready for this? Let's take a look at laying on of hands real quick. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Timothy 4. Let's look at verse 14. I should say, now that I know you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Timothy 4. I want to look at verse 14. I'm going to really talk about this really quickly, so stay with me on this thing. Okay? He says, do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed on you through prophetic utterance and with the laying on the hands by the presbytery. I mean, in laying on of hands, the person that is doing that, it is in the presbytery, or in the leadership that's laying on of hands, they need to know and they should understand and they should realize that when they lay hands on somebody else, there is an impartation that takes place when they lay their hands on them. There's, that's what takes place. And, and I want us, want us to understand that. The only authority that any man has is what God has given them in the natural. God has given you natural authorities, and he'll also give you spiritual authorities. And when you operate in those natural authorities or spiritual authorities, you have to understand that it comes from God. That authority that you have comes from God. Turn to your neighbor and say, I got authority from God. Turn to your other neighbor and say, I got authority from God. You got some authority from God. What I'm trying to tell you tonight is there's no magical touch it's not in, no, no magic. Magic is not involved in biblical interpretation. Come on. It's not a waving a wand kind of thing over somebody. It's not laying hands and sprinkling them with fairy dust. There, there's there's the, the laying on of hands is biblical. Let me say that again. The laying on of hands is biblical. It is biblical, and we're going to take a look at that. Let me give you some examples of laying on of hands, because some of you may not realize. You may not be doing it. Maybe you should be doing it. So let's take a look at some, some of these, okay? Um, there's some examples of laying on of hands. First of all, healing. Mark 16, 18, it says they will lay hands on the sick, and they will what? You lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So we can utilize laying on of hands. God will, will utilize that for healing. Say healing. How about the infilling of the Spirit in Acts chapter 8, verse 18? Now, when Simon saw that the Spirit was bestowed through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he saw what was taking place, that they were being filled with the Holy Ghost, and he wanted to pay money for it. He was like, get me some, 
some money here. Give me, give me some, some, uh, I'll pay you some money to get that. You know, it was like, Hey, it doesn't happen that way. So we can begin to see it from the infilling of the spirit laying on of hands takes place. How about this? The impartation of spiritual gifts, the impartation of spiritual gifts. Romans one 11 for I long to see you that I may impart some spiritual gift to you that you may be established. 2 Timothy 1.6, For this reason I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. Inside Timothy, there was a gift of God that was stirred up within him from the laying on of hands. So we begin to see that there can be an impartation of this spiritual gift. You can, you can impart this spiritual gift. How about this one? Confirmation. At confirmation, spiritual gifts are often imparted. But prophecy may be also accompany the laying on of hands. And we read that in the previous scripture. That prophecy may accompany the laying on of hands. So there can be a confirmation. First Timothy 4, 14, we read that, right? It says, it says, do not neglect a spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed upon you through the prophetic utterance with the laying on the hands of the presbytery. So that this gift can be imparted to you. It can be stirred up. How about this? How about you ever seen us lay hands on the children and we, we bless the children? Yeah, that's biblical. We can bless the children. Mark ten sixteen says, and he took them from his arms and he began to bless them, <laughs> laying his hands upon them. So we begin to see there can be a blessing flowing through the impartation of laying hands on the children. How about an ordination of ministers? You've ever been to an ordination service where they, they lay hands? Pastor Tony and Tanya laid hands on Shelley and I as, and, and, and were ordained as ministers. Acts 6, 6 says, and they were brought before the apostles, and after praying, they laid their hands upon them. They prayed and laid their hands upon them. They ordained them as ministers. How about sending out ministries? How about sending out people to, to be part of a ministry? Acts 13, 2 and 3, it says, while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work of which I have called them. And I believe they laid hands on them, and, and, they, and they prayed, and they fasted, and they heard a word from the Lord, and he said, set them apart and com- basically commission them, lay hands on them to go forth into what God had called them to do. So they did that. They laid hands on them, and they sent them away. So let's take a look at this. You see, the begin, we begin to look at some spiritual examples. So we've seen some spiritual examples of how laying on of hands can take place. A lot of times we don't realize it. A lot of times we think, well, wait a minute. You know, I just, I, I don't necessarily need to lay hands on somebody. Come on up here, Justin, if you will. But I want you to understand, I, I believe laying on of hands is not just for the ministers. Laying on of hands is for every believer. And there's been a lot of times, there's been a lot of times that, that I've prayed for people. I'm talking about senators. I'm talking about uh, city council members, the, the commissioner. You know, you, I, can, I can begin, and I, I will say, can I pray for you? And they'll say, yes. And I'll ask them, is it okay if I lay my hand on your shoulder? I have not had anybody say no. But what I've done is I've just brought into a contact point where I've laid my hand. Look, guys, you don't have to go, hey! You know what I mean? You know, I mean, 
It's pretty powerful, isn't it? <laughs> Although maybe you do have to go. <laughs> but what I'm saying, I mean, you're in a situation, you're in a setting, you know what I mean? That, you know, if the Lord leads you to do that, that's fine. I mean, and God flows through that. But, you know, but you're, if, you're, if you're having, you know, in, in the Senate, you know, and I want to lay hands on them, I'm not going to do that in the Senate floor. I'm not going to do it. But if I lay my hand on them, it, it, you will be amazed what will begin to happen. It will begin to sometimes settle their spirit. Their soul can be all of a sudden start to settle. But it gives you a point of contact, and I'm a contact person. If anybody of you been around me, you know, if I'm talking to you or something, if I'm praying with you, I'm always going to grab a hand or I'll put a hand on the shoulder. You know, me personally, it helps break down that barrier. There have been times where people, you know, you, you, they don't want you to do that. But if you ask them, it'll be all right if I lay my hands on you or just put my hand on your shoulder, and sure. And then all of a sudden, I can begin to pray for him, Okay. So it breaks down some barriers, amen? So I want you to realize and understand we need to be doing this. You'd be surprised what it will do if you, if you lay hands on somebody. You know what I mean, Glennis? Just put your hand out. If you just say, let me just pray for you, and, and you just you grab their hand. Do you know what I mean? And there's times where sometimes some people, they'll bow their head. I hope you're praying for people. You'll see this stuff. But they'll bow their head, and they'll have one eye open because they're looking to see whether you're going to, like hold their hand or something. You know what I mean? But don't be afraid to ask them. Now that you know that it's biblical, and it's okay for you as believers, not just pastors, to lay hands on people, but to begin to make that point of contact and lay hands and bless them. You know, if you bless children, then you can bless people, right? You can best bless adults. So we begin to see that, we begin to understand that and realize it. We're not talking about these foundational things for you not to utilize them. You know, utilize them. Lay your hands on there. Let's take a look at a couple things real quick. The spiritual guidelines. Laying on hands means that a, a, you can do that with a person entering into ministry. There was, in one of the classes, in a foundational class, we had this question brought up because they were told, be careful who you let lay hands on you. Now, there's wisdom in that. I'm not laying hands on that. Nobody's going to lay hands on me. And you can miss out on some stuff because you're prideful. Now, what the Bible talks about is laying hands, and if you, this was the context in which it's in, in Timothy, is when you lay hands on somebody, it was in a ministry contact where they were ordaining or commissioning or sending them forth, and it was setting them apart for that. See? Now, that begins to happen. So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, it says don't, the Bible says don't lay hands on anybody suddenly. They were not talking about the ordination or the commissioning of somebody. That's not what the Scripture was referring to. It was just so anybody coming up and got their hands all over you, you know what I mean? And, but you, you need to know them. You need to connect spiritually. There needs to be a spirit-to-spirit connection. You understand that? There needs to be a spirit-to-spirit connection. I had this one guy. I'll give you an example. I had this one guy that came in. We were, we were in a 40-day of prayer and fasting. We, we, I had finished an hour of prayer in the prayer room, and I had come into my office, and this person had made an appointment, and he had come into my office, and he said, I believe the Holy Spirit has told me to come in today and lay my hands on you and da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and I did not let him do it. Okay? I didn't have that spirit-to-spirit connection. The things, he was, the things that he was wanting to do, I said, no, nope. I finished this 40 days of prayer and fasting, and then I'll go from there. 
If the Spirit of the Lord tells me that that's what he wants to do, then we'll do it. If he doesn't, then we're not going to do it. So I don't want you to feel like you'd be embarrassing somebody if they say, I want to lay hands on you. Said, no, you know, I just prefer not to. Thank you anyway. You know, so what happened then was the, the, if the Holy Spirit told him to do that, if it was the Holy Spirit that told him to do that, it shifted to me and I take the responsibility. Okay? They're off the hook. Are you with me? So we begin to look at that and we begin to see, and, and you can look at the ordination type, ministry type, laying on of hands, setting somebody apart for ministry in First Timothy chapter 5. Um, let's real talk real quick, last thing. We're talking about not only the spiritual examples that we talked about in laying on of hands, but the scriptural guidelines to be a laying on of hands. But the third thing is, and, and I kind of touched on it, is that it's for all believers. Laying on hands is not just for the, the, the clergy, okay, let me use that, but it's for all believers. See, it's important that you realize that, you know what, you lay hands on your children, hopefully holy hands, you know, you lay hands on your children, but we do, we, we lay hands on our children, we pray for them, mommy, I got a tummy ache, you know what, you know, just, you know, you don't stand back and and so, well, you, you got a tummy ache, okay, you know, God bless the tummy ache, you know, heal it. You know what I mean? So, baby, let me let me just, can I lay my hands on your tummy? And most of the time they're going to say, oh, please, yes, you know, and, and do that. And you lay your hands on your children's. You have authority with your children in your home. Lay your hands on their tummy and say, you know what, that sickness, disease, whatever that is, it's got to go in Jesus' name. It cannot stay. And you stand in belief and you know that an impartation of faith is going to take place. That's what a lot of it's transferred is faith. Some people will lay hands and pray for a person and they'll pray 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 and the faith goes up and up and up and up and up and up and up. And then it's like, okay, in Jesus' name. And they walk out of there like, yeah, yeah, I'm feeling better now. Yeah, I can take on the world. Yeah, I can deal with these problems and issues that I got, you know. So it's important that, that if you're in a setting like that. I've been in work settings. Uh, I'll give you an example. You know, before we were ordained in the ministry, I worked in a warehouse, and, and we had one time we had over 500 employees in this warehouse we had. We had 16 employees in, our, in, in, in the produce department, and this guy had gotten hurt. His name was Kenny, and Kenny was in was he, he drove a forklift and, you know, put away all the, the produce and everything else, and he had gotten hurt. And I just, I felt the Holy Spirit say, go pray for him. So I walked down the stairs, and I go down into the warehouse, and, you know, it was, it was like the length of this building when I got into the warehouse, and, and there was Kenny, and he was hardly moving. Kenny was a believer. And I said, Kenny, I said, he still is, I believe you. But I said, Kenny, I said, um, what's going on with your knee? And he's like, man, I don't know, I've just been having trouble. I don't know what's going on with it. I said, he said, how long have you been having trouble? He said, you know, it's been two or three weeks, and I get up in the morning, and it aches and stuff like that. And so we're walking along, you know, checking some things, you know, and, you know, I'm looking at the strawberries and the peaches and everything else. And I said, Kenny, would it be all right if I prayed for you? And he said, uh, yeah. I said, can I lay my hands on your knee? I mean, this guy was in a, um, when you work in a cooler at 32 degrees, he was in a, like a snowsuit freezer gear. Yeah, that's what he was in. And um and I said I said sit down. So he sat down on a box of peaches or something, and I just knelt down and I just prayed. I just prayed. And and I prayed and I asked the Lord to touch him and heal him and and you know repair any ligaments, whatever it was, and you know, and, and in Jesus name and 
And I didn't say anything to him. How you doing? Is it okay? Is it warm? Do you feel anything? I just stopped praying. I just stopped praying. He said, in Jesus' name, we walked, and we talked about some celery issues and went into another part of the cooler, and we talked about these different deals, right, with what we were dealing with. And I went back to work. And about an hour and a half later, this was in the morning, and about an hour and a half later before lunch, um, then another guy was called me up. He was on the phone. He said, Eric, I need you to come down and take a look at this. And he said, oh, by the way, he said, you wouldn't believe something happened to Kenny. And I thought, oh, no. I said, what do you mean something happened to Kenny? And he said, um, I don't know, man, but you prayed for him, and now he's running. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, praise the Lord, you know. I mean, you don't know what's going to happen when you do that, but just laying on of hands, that contact. And I wasn't an ordained minister. Do you know what I mean? So you've just got to be led by the Spirit of God and Spirit to Spirit come. And, and I believe that, you know, and that, that, I mean, I'm telling you, whatever God did, God did it. Because he did not have to have an operation on his knee. We had no, in fact, we had one other conversation about it. I just said, how's your knee doing? And he said, great, you wouldn't believe it. He, he'd jump up and down in his freezer suit, you know, and, and, and he was fine. And I'd never seen any other problems that had happened. And I was like, praise God, we have to give God the glory for that. But don't be afraid as a Christian to be able to do that. You have the authority. You know, you have the authority to minister in Jesus' name. You have that authority. And tonight, not only through water baptism, but you have been able to see that scripturally you can lay hands on people. And there's different things that you can lay hands. Scripturally, there's different areas in which you can lay hands on people for different things. So don't be afraid to do that. If somebody comes in, it's just, you know what I mean? Again, it's, not, it's how you do it. If somebody comes in and they're hurting, do you know what I mean? I got a problem with my elbow. Can I, can I, can I touch it? Can I, you know what I mean? They're going to go, yeah, you know. And they say, well, what's the matter? I said, just tell them you slept at a Holiday Inn last night or something. You know, that commercial they got. But just just touch their hand, their elbow, whatever it is, and say, can I pray for you? A lot of times, once you've got your hand on it, then you can say, can I pray for you? And they'll allow you to do that. One one real, real quick thing. Men, be careful about ministering to women, and women, be careful about doing that to, to men, all right? Guys, we, we aren't too bad. You know, if, if Virginia comes up and lays her hand on my chest, you know, it's no big deal, you know? It's, it's, guys aren't usually that way, but, you know, guys, you go and lay your hand on the woman's chest, it's going to be a big deal, okay? But, I mean, seriously, so what you can do is you've seen us do it in ministry lines. We'll take a female and say, well, are you hurting in your stomach? And they'll put their hand, and then you put your hand on top of their hand. So there's different ways to do that, okay? So if you go to lay your hands, my suggestion, what always works for me, is can I, can I, can I lay my hand on your shoulder? And a lot of times they'll let me do it. I'll just, I haven't had anybody that hasn't let me do it. But if they'll, can I lay your hand on your shoulder? And they'll say, that's fine. Sometimes they'll, they'll reach for you to hold their hand if they're a person of prayer, a believer, and they, they want you to join their faith with your faith. Okay? So those are the things that we want to do. So we talked about water baptism. Let's get water baptized. Those of you who don't know, you've got family, friends, your kids. If they've not been water baptized, sit down, visit with them about it, talk to them about some of the scriptures, and say, look, let's go ahead and do this, all right? Let me pray for you guys tonight. Father, I just thank you for the word tonight. God, I'm asking you tonight just to seal it to us. 
I'm asking you just to open up our spirit and just fill this thing up with the word of God and seal this to the enemy cannot take it. He will not steal it, Lord God. And I just, Lord, I just declare that we're going to be people to be able to be led by the spirit of God. And we're going to be able to lay our hands on people. And Lord, your word says that we're going to lay hands on the sick and they recover. That's what your word says. So Lord, we're going to do the first part of it and lay our hand on them, touch them, point of contact and, and Lord bless them. We, we may just lay our hands and bless them, Lord God. We just thank you for tonight, for this word. And God, tonight, I just ask you now, Lord, just to begin to start dealing with us in areas in our lives that we can just now be strengthened and encouraged to say, you know what? It's not just the pastors that need to do it. I need to be doing that as a believer because I'm a disciple and the disciples were told by Jesus to be, to be baptized and to baptize those and to lay hands and let them recover. Lord God, to bless those as we, through the point of contact and the laying on of hands. Now, God, I just pray a blessing over each person tonight. I speak grace in their life tonight, and great grace in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening tonight. If you need prayer for anything, we'll be glad to pray for you. Come on up. We'll pray for you. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening.